0: If you, I want to extend a welcome, if you're new here today, um, I'm David, I'm one of the leaders here, I'm going to um, share for the next uh, half an hour, um, uh, continuing a series that we're in, but if you're welcome here, I want, I want you to, or if you're new here, sorry, I want you to feel welcomed, um, I want you to feel, feel welcomed the our community today, no matter where you are, there's, there's a lot of room here for you, um, you're really loved, we're really glad that you're here, if you're new um, Uh, We've had an interesting weekend as leaders. I think Stephanie had mentioned that before. We were away at a conference the last couple of days. And so we're coming into this sort of both tired out and also like really quite filled up in a a spiritual way in a sense. Um, Just trying to discern what God's doing. I have no idea what God's doing this morning. It's like everything's happening and it's it's beautiful and I'm absolutely okay with that. It's great. Um, um, I think God is doing something with us this morning. I want to be attentive to that. I want to make some space for that at the back end of, of what I'm going to share this morning. And so I hope, I hope you can um, just be discerning. Maybe if God's speaking to you if, you, if you sense that he's speaking to you this morning, just remain open to that. I'd love to love to see what he does today. Um, yes, we've had a great weekend. I'm just going to jump in now and share some thoughts on the next part of our, our series. We've been in this series um, for the last four or five weeks. We call it Resident Aliens. It's really this exploration of what it means to be the church, what it means to, what's the communal identity of the church. Um, For a long time, we've been exploring, do you remember the series The Way and some other series? And it was really looking at um, what it means to follow Jesus um, as disciples independently. We just thought we want to speak into what it means to be a community, to be this community of of the church, like what is that? Like, is it even relevant anymore? Or What was it for? How, how, how does it sit in in the midst of culture? There's so many different things happening in our culture at the minute, and so this was just a bit of an attempt to explore what that um, communal identity is, and, and what we sense as a church here, Redeemer, and what our identity and what our, um, what our what our our values are, what our contribution is, what shaped this this community. Um, is and so we've had a, a two or three weeks. hope you can catch up. We do have a podcast. We never really mentioned that, but hopefully, you can catch up on the last few weeks. We've been looking at being a community of exile. The fact that we're um, we're like aliens, but we're resident aliens. We're in a, a strange place. The culture, of the world we live in, is sort of. Uh, it's. I'm sure no matter where you're from or what background you have, like you realize it's just a really strange time to be alive in so many ways. And as the church, sometimes it just feels so, so alien at times because so much is changing around us, especially in Belfast and in Ireland. So much is shifting and, and some of that's really, really great and some of that's just like uncertain and some of that's different and all of that. And so we just feel like, oh, we're sort of residents here and there's that call to be a community in exile, which means to be um, planting gardens and seeking the welfare and the prosperity of the place that we find ourselves which is the city of Belfast and the surrounding areas. And so we looked at that in the first week, and then Ryan, he jumped up and he talked about us being a, a community of death, which is like quite quite a morbid idea, but actually a very profound idea for people who who follow Jesus, the people of Jesus, to be a cruciform people, to have a particular shape, a cross shape, where we actually lay down our lives, we actually selfishly lay down our lives and modeling our master Jesus for others and sacrifice ourselves for one another, for our community and for our world. And so the shape of this community here is an attempt, hopefully, to try to live somewhat of a cruciform life. And we get that right sometimes and we repent when we don't and we want to follow Jesus into that. And um, we had Dan up sharing about us being a community of embrace and our posture toward the world, our posture toward those that are different and the other um, and society around us and how we're... Uh, we have an embrace, we have an openness, we, we, we affirm and we begin in Genesis 1, everyone an icon, the idea that everyone is made in the image of God, everyone is worthy, everyone is a child of God, everyone is precious, and, and we embrace and build bridges and do the work of the gospel of reconciliation where we can, and we don't build walls. We try to plant gardens and see life flourish, and so that's what we were looking at, and, And it was last week that um, Stephanie was up and she was talking a lot about the similar themes, but how that we as a church, as we gather together, and we look at the example of the early church in in Acts 2 and right through Acts, and we see this model um, of a community that just really don't look like one another, they're very different, there's a lot of diversity, and yet they've got this, that's so good because they've got this one thing in common that is Christ, on the table of Christ and everyone being welcome at this table in Christ, and so um, it's just a beautiful um, to hear um, uh, as well. As Stephanie share some of her heart and her, her vision for this area and for our church going forward. And so we're sensing as leaders, I think we're sensing just um, it's something. God's doing something with our community and he's teaching us and he's inviting us to step forward and to begin to seek his face and to begin to pray at what it really, really means to live some of this stuff out um, and not it just be empty rhetoric, but to actually begin to embody it in, in our world. And so I'm going to just pick up the series. I'm going to talk about this um, idea that we're a community of the ancient, which is just such a strange phrase to throw out there, but hopefully it makes a bit of sense. It's a little bit of a catch-all, but we're going to move through ancient roots, ancient paths, and ancient wells. So I'm going to just dive in, um, and we'll see where we go. Um, So I want to read this quote. Life is all one spectacle of forces running to waste, of people who use and do not replace the story of a country hectic with a wasting, aimless fever of trade and money-making and pleasure-seeking. It sounds like something we may have read in The New Yorker or uh, The Times or something, um, The New Statesman, whatever, uh, recently about our, the times we live in. But actually, it's, it's not as contemporary as that. It, it, it's H.G. Wells' novel, The Beginning of the 20th Century, um, Tonobungai, I think is the right pronunciation. If I've butchered that, you can come up and pick me up afterwards on that one. Um, but it's, the, it's, a, it's an, the idea he was trying to, they were trying to capture the, this attempt to capture in fiction the, the convergence of standardized goods, mass media, speculative finance, global trade that created modern culture's insatiable obsession with the new. An obsession with the new centered largely around the act of consumption or consumers so even even wells i imagine we, we could not have imagined the age that we live in now because that's the dominant narrative in our in our society that we're not necessarily, we're more consumers than perhaps we even are human at times. We're treated like consumers. Um, and so we live in this culture that is obsessed with the new. The story of the age is constant newness, fads and trends, the zeitgeist of the times. Um, it's a culture that's disposable and consumeristic. There's always a new iOS update for your iPhone. There's always a new iPhone. There's always a new this. There's always a new that. Whatever it may be, new products and services are available 24. We know all of this at our fingertips and our computer screens. And it's not just limited to us as consumers and our workplaces as workers. We're constantly, and I'm sure some of you are constantly being subjected to new paradigms and interfaces and strategies and goals. Um, Our personal interactions are actually shaped by this desire for the new, the sociable desire to check the feed and see what's happening and um, dial into the the insight of, of what our friends are doing and, and the banality of it sometimes too. Um, but implicit in this obsession with newness, of course, is this idea of, you've heard of FOMO, right? So the fear of missing out. Yeah. Anyone with me? Heard of that? Yeah. Fear of missing out. Um, the anxiety, that conversations and experiences of the here and the now, the trendy, the innovative, the fashionable, the fresh are actually imperative to your survival. You've got to get on board with that mantra. You've got to stay current. and You've got to reinvent yourself. Um, young people also are particularly susceptible to this fear, and no wonder, because of the bombardment on social media, advertising, the videos that they were on, their formative years being marked by this expectation that they have got to navigate their way somehow through the demands on their attention all of the time, and it's shaping them all of the time. And it's so into this context of trends and constant newness um, that we're going to speak today about what it actually means for the church to not be a community of the new. And the fad of the new, which often infiltrates churches trying to find the new thing, the silver bullet, the new model, the the current thing, trying to be on trend and brand ourselves to be relevant. But what does it actually mean to be a community of the ancient? What does it actually mean to have ancient roots? Ancient roots that actually might undermine um, our constant obsession with the novel and the new and the shallow and call us back to something primal, something deeper, something really authentic. And interestingly, alongside this obsession with the new, there's also this real search for meaning uh, in our own lives, but also in the lives of those that we do life around us. This obsession with a search for meaning, and rightly so, we're wired to, 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 to figure out our narrative, our place in the world and what it's all about and have a purpose in a sense. And so this radical individualism and autonomy it ditches sort of a lot of the time any sense of history or tradition or place or biology or origin or it, does, it sees people not dis- discovering their identity or but actually just creating an identity and um, figuring it out just from a blank piece of paper and, um, and it all sounds really liberating and often it really is liberating, but then it goes alongside these other trends that we see in society where there 's like record levels of mental illness particularly among young people, in the rise of anxiety and depression. And it's stemming a lot of the time, experts will say, from a real lack of purpose, a real lack of identity and meaning in people's lives as they forge their own sense of meaning that's a little untethered. It's just whatever the zeitgeist of the time says. Um, it doesn't seem to satisfy the, the deep um, yearnings in their souls. John Dominic Crossan, am I getting that right? <laughs> Describes the sense of hopelessness sometimes in this age, this strange age we live, when he says that in, in this postmodern and secular world, there is, there is no, quote, there is no lighthouse keeper, and there is no lighthouse, and there is no dry land. There are only people living on rafts made from their own imaginations. And then there is the sea, and so it's into this context though, the search for truth and meaning, the search, for the new, the obsession with the new, and the, the search for truth and meaning that we want to talk about the communal identity of the church today, and the fact that we're called to be a church that has some roots. We're coming from somewhere, uh, ancient roots, and so as the church. Redeemer, we really, really do have a better story than this. We have a better story than the obsession with the new. And we have a better story than that sort of a drifting alone and untethered on our own, isolated from our, our world around us, trying to search for our identity. And so, as people who have ancient roots, we um, need to stay connected to those roots, I am convinced. Because it reminds us that we don't actually get to really make Christianity up. It's sort of—it's a received faith. It's more than that. We're going to explore more about that. We don't really get to make it up. We get to live it out. We get to reenact it. We're going to talk more about that. We don't get to make it up, and we're not floating aimlessly. We're in this eternal current that has been flowing for centuries. So what do, I, what do I actually mean by ancient roots? I um, we talking about beliefs? No, we're we talking about doctrines. No, I'm talking really, I want to emphasize today about the story that we live in because we are, if you have realized it or understood it or experienced it in your life, that we are in a story. As followers of Jesus, we live within a drama and it's unfolding. It's a, a narrative that is unfolding that is bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than and wiser than, and actually older than any of us, <laughs> much older, much more ancient. And so, the ch- as the church, we've just encountered this story. What is that story? This is a story of grace that we've been invited into. And the story of grace from our God, from the divine, gives shape and order and meaning and purpose to our souls and our beings. And here's the story here is the story. You are loved you are loved, we are loved, we are made in God's image. We are prone to wander, but we are pursued in that wandering by the power of love. It says, the story that we're living in says we are remade in our brokenness and we are invited to participate in the remaking of the world, in the great social experiment of the kingdom of God on earth, where God is putting all things right in the power of Christ, the restoration, the restoration of peace, of shalom, the harmony of justice and mercy. And so we don't just inherit these dead religion, these doctrines, these beliefs. We actually inherit an invitation as the church in 2018 in Belfast. We actually are inheriting, as those that are following the way, tradition and a story the story of God in the world. And it's interesting, isn't it? The culture is always looking to the new. It's always looking forward to the new. And it's not always terrible, but it's interesting that the church counter-culturally needs to look back to go forward. We need to be tethered in our ancient faith to be able to move forward into a new, uncertain world. It's a story that has been told before time, N.T. Wright talks about this. He says, throw a rule book in someone's head or offer them a list of doctrines. or They can just duck it. They can avoid it. They can simply disagree. They can go away. But tell them a story, though, and you'll invite them into a different world. You'll invite them into a different view of the world. And so, Redeemer, I want to talk about that today. It's, it may seem counterintuitive in an age obsessed with the new and the remaking and the deconstructing and the tearing apart and the examining and all of that, that we are actually a people of an ancient faith in an age where people are set upon just making meaning up we're actually a people who get to not make it up but discover it and the deep primal meaning that we receive when we encounter the God of the cosmos who creates us loves us saves us recreates us that is our narrative and so we get to cultivate our rootedness in the story we've been handed stay tethered to it but let me just add this little piece as we go on because rootedness in the story doesn't mean that we're stuck or we're standing still uh, i'm watching handmaid's tale at the moment on it's not on netflix is it? it's on channel four it's absolutely brutal and harrowing but we always like love to check into Netflix or check in into Amazon Prime or whatever it is. And we're working through some sort of TV show. And there's just so many different options of what you can watch, narratives, stories you can get into. They're not just two hours long like they used to be in the, in the movies, but they're like 27, 30, I don't know, Game of Thrones, how many hours is in that series? Like about, you know, maybe, I don't know, I've no idea, dozens and dozens of hours. Um. The dramas that we're most familiar with that are on the screen and on the stage, though, are really based on scripts, and scripts tell the actors what to say and what to do, but there's another kind of drama that I want to talk about today, which is the drama of improvisation, and improvisation is this idea. It's based on spontaneity or spontaneous interactions between the actors and the players, Um, Scripted dramas, they leave some room for the unscripted, but improv actors are really just only given this scenario, this plot line, uh, this this loose plot line, uh, as a starting point in which they get to construct the scene and enact the story. Improv can be pretty gut-bustingly funny or can be really painfully awkward, but either way, no one really... Uh, can tell the turns that it will take or where it might end up. And in a sense, the story of the church, the story of those that follow the way of Jesus is this ancient story as outlined in scripture is not so much like a movie. like It's more like this sense of improvisation. There's a plot line that we're following, but there's beautiful, extraordinary freedom and creative opportunity for us to enact that story ourselves and our churches as actors in this drama, working it out. As Kevin Van Hooser says, life is a human, divine, interactive theater. And the theology involves both what God has done and is doing in the world and what we say and do in grateful response. There's this dynamic, um, this dynamic relationship in that what god has done and what we are doing in response and the implications redeemer from this are really profound if for no other reason then it undermines our creative impulse to be consumers and spectators rather than face faithful participants in the act of god's play instead of getting sitting back and consuming or spectating we get to take part we get to play you get to play, you get to participate in this unfolding narrative. And the amazing thing is the rooting in the story and the reenactment of the story prophetically has some astonishingly formative power. In fact, it seems so counterintuitive, but the deeper your engagement with the scriptures and the story that we are in, the more prepared, the better you are ready to improvise the story as you live it out. Musicians will tell you that. The more prepared, the more you understand the music and the movements in the music, the more ability you have to be completely free, completely spontaneous in improvisation, in living it out. And so improvisation is this theater. It's a practice where actors develop trust in themselves and one another that they may conduct unscripted dramas but without fear. That we may live in the world with the story of a God who creates and saves and recreates. And we can live that out lifetime as actors in that drama without fear, knowing we're deeply rooted in the ancient faith. So Wells, Sam Wells, a theologian and pastor, he says that it is within the people of God, a community of trust that we learn. To live into the unknown, the looming unknown of the future it 's the tethering into community into the church. It helps us to actually be free to engage with the uncertainty. And the people of God are like this sort of acting troupe um, that we're att- that are attentive to and engaged with the, the ancient roots of our story, for the purposes of building trust and for the purposes of learning to improvise. The storyline in lifetime in our world. And so this gives Redeemer, our gatherings like this on a Sunday, some real significance. Because what we're doing when we gather here is that we're actually rehearsing the story, we're remembering the story, we're re scripting ourselves in the story that, oh, yes. God is a God who is good. God is a God who creates. God is a God who is present. God is a God who's here with us. God is a God who recreates and saves and delivers and heals. And we're reminded when we gather here together as the church. And we use things like prayers and singing And the elements, the sacraments and the scriptures and the creeds, as Farron sang, the creeds, the apostolic creed, the Nicene creed, we use these things to shape us, to plant us deeper in this faith. This is who we we are. We are an ancient people in an ancient faith. So it really infuses what we do on a Sunday and what we do throughout the week, but particularly when we gather to worship. It informs and it gives significance to our meanings that we're not just going through the motions. We're really we're an act, we're rehearsing this great story that we are part of. The improvisation can happen when we're deeply rooted and tethered to those essential plot lines. So I want to reject the move today that we're to dig ourselves up from the roots completely and we're to untether ourselves from any of what we know is the faith. We should examine our roots we should maybe pull them out at times and look at those roots as a church or as individuals, examine our faith, deconstruct it, figure it out, ask questions. We need to plant it again, or otherwise it will wither and die. And Brian Zahn says this, once we do that, he uses different metaphor, he uses the, the, the language of, of sort of climbing a mountain. And he says this, we can actually explore the great mysteries of the faith the mountain of God, when we actually clip in safe ropes into the creeds, into the roots of our faith, we can clip those ropes in. And if we fall in those explorations, if we, if we trip up when we're improvising and we're extending love and grace and judge, fighting for justice in the world and we're, we're improvising the story of God in our world, if we, if we slip, if we fall, we're caught by this rootedness, this tetheredness, we're free to improvise in the spirit and live this story out by the help of of the Spirit. And we don't do this alone, Redeemer. We do this with, as Hebrews 12 calls it, a great cloud of witnesses that are encouraging us to run the race set before us, to chase after Christ and to pursue Christ and to finish that race. And so we're not alone. And so this leads me on to, I'm really running out of time, so I'm going to speed this up real quick. This leads me on to being, us being called a community of the ancient. We realize that we're not only to have roots, but we're actually going to do this bit better, this living out better if we have some ancient paths. And I want to speak particularly about Celtic spirituality. I want to talk a little bit more closer to home for us, a little more closer in time, and a little bit more closer in geography, because there is a great, great heritage in our land of ancient paths that help us. They've carved out from people in time before us who've been improvising the story of God in a way and weaving these paths. They're tried and they're tested and they're true. And there's new paths to blaze and there's new paths to carve out, but we should also be working those old paths. We should be digging into the ancient paths. I wanna read Jeremiah 6.6. 6. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Or the message says this, the message translation of that same verse says this, go stand at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions to the old road, the tried and the true road, then take it, discover the right route for your souls." And so to be this, this people that navigate this strange world that we live in of 2018, we need to remember our story and our roots and we need to sh- be shown some ancient paths, some ancient wisdom, some ways where people have walked before us. I'd love to kick a few ideas out, can I? Just a few ideas. They're not heavy. Hopefully you can go home and look, look them up and look into them more. But what we've been trying to do in Redeemer uh, over many, in the last number of years, um, We've been trying to like sort of develop some of these ideas a little bit around Celtic spirituality, around contemplative prayer. There's like prayer books at the back called Celtic Daily Prayer. We've been encouraging some spiritual contemplative practices, as you know. And we've recently done the sign of the cross. We've been doing the daily exam. We've been leaning into all these different practices. I want to just talk very quickly about a few, um, a few, a few little um, postures of Celtic spirituality that might sort of help us walk and improvise the story of God in 2018. Before we just do that very quickly, Celtic spirituality was built around these two impulses. I'm going to go really quickly here. Monastic impulse to withdraw and seek God in the monastery, and the apostolic to go out and be sent forth to take the land, to share the good news of Jesus. Um, and it's all over our culture. It's all over our culture, starting with St. Patrick in the 5th century, um, across Europe and the centuries. And the character and the culture of the UK was formed in this crucible of prayer. Every town in Ireland with the, suffoc- the suffix kill, like killinchy or was once a hermit's prayer cell. A monastic legacy haunts our secular age. We drink Abbott Ale, bands record hits in Abbey Road Studios, that's London. Big Ben chimes a national prayer hourly. The the prayer all through this hour, Lord be my guide. That's like a hymn, Big Ben chimes. This sort of monastic legacy through the Celtic lands of the UK. Not America, and not the latest thing coming out of there, but right here. Right on our land in Ireland and in the Celtic lands, um, in North England and Scotland and Wales throughout, there is a deep, rich legacy of people seeking the presence of God, following the way of Jesus in ordinary everyday life and bringing the hope and the story of Jesus to the villages and towns um, all around our land. And so here's a couple of little uh, postures that they actually engaged with that really helped them. Um, here's the first one very quickly. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. It's the same idea. Intimacy and action. Prayer and mission. Monastic withdrawal, seeking God's face. Apostolic endeavor, going out to share the good news of Jesus. So, I would love to do a wee thing. We did this at the weekend. I thought it was quite cool. I'd love us all to like hold our breaths and see who can hold our breaths the longest. I'm going to go for this one. Okay, everyone in the room, we're going to see how long we can hold our breaths for. Okay, so let's do it. Ready? You're going to put your hand up. Everyone put your hand up. And when you when you run out of breath, you put your hand down and we'll see who lasts the longest. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Out of breath to speak, now. Wow! This was a great time saver, Dave. You're running out of time in your sermon. You still got people to hold the breath for two minutes. It's like it's really neat. Good use of time. This is impressive. This is impressive. <laughs> Who's going to win it? Matt Stewart's looking pretty strong here. Oh, he's, gonna, he's looking pretty strong. <laughs> oh, Dave Anderson, are you going to do it? There's two. There's two. There's two men here. Oh, is there? And Dan. Oh, sorry, Dan, missed you. Anyone else? This gentleman here. What is that, like three minutes, like? It's very impressive. Come on, boys. (laughs) That's awesome. So some people can go further than others. There's no shame here. That's okay. But everyone... You've got to breathe out, though, at some point. You can't just, like, hold it in forever. Like, it has to get out. And then it sort of has to come back in again. And there's, like, this rhythm of inhale and exhale. And it's a really, really simple idea, but it's really deeply connected to Celtic spirituality, the idea of prayer and mission. Prayer and mission are contemplation and action, or intimacy and action. You've heard all these sort of phrases, but it's very, very simple. Inhale And exhale. It's a really simple idea. I'm going to leave it there. Um, This idea, this ebb and flow. um, There's nothing quite that sums that up quite as well as a place in uh, the north of England called Holy Island or Linda's Farm. It's this sort of monastic center of celtic christianity an irish monk Aidan, went there and actually founded it as a mission center on this island and um, but one of the reasons he he loved it was because the way that the, the tide ebbed and flowed it meant for half of the day the tide was out and half the day the tide was in and so you were forced as a as a monk to go into your cell and to pray but then when the tide came in is that right went out went out <laughs> The land cleared and you could go out and serve the poor and take the news of Jesus to your village and to your community and to the the world around you. And so it just sums up this idea again of this rhythm that we're to be in, I believe, we believe, is to be a community of the ancient, is to learn how to do that rhythm well. And sometimes we hold our breath in for a long time And then we never exhale out and we probably die in the end. And the opposite is true too. And in Redeemer, that's been our story too. Sometimes we just haven't prayed enough. We haven't sought God's face enough. We haven't sought his presence. And we've thought that we could just go out and love our enemy and love our neighbor. And we'd never been formed in the way of Jesus. We'd never seen the love of Jesus close and personal because we hadn't been on our faces. We hadn't repented of our pride hadn't sought the face of God, and other times we've neglected the mission, and we've been here in our building, and we've been here in our communities, and our city groups, and we've been praying, and we've never actually stepped out in faith beyond. We've never done that either, and we've made those errors at different times, and we're sorry for those. As a community, we own that, don't we? And we own that in our own lives, but that's one of the, the rhythms of Celtic spirituality that I think in this next season that ourselves as leaders are really beginning to learn. I'm beginning to have a desire to understand, have a desire to figure out, have a desire to put into practice the healthy inhale and exhale that we don't get caught in one extreme or the other because when it 's in tension but it 's in and out it 's in a beautiful tension of life, and that 's where we need to be and so we 're going to try and figure that out yesterday we were or as I said, we were at, at a conference all weekend called Tabar, T- which is an Irish word for well. It was at a church in Emmanuel in Lurgensreich called Emmanuel, and we were really blessed as a leadership team. Uh, we went down there for two days we were really blessed by what we experienced there we were we really encountered God there. And, and so there was a prophetic word spoken over us at the end of that day about us being a house of prayer for the broken in our in our city. And so we're just sensing that God's speaking to us about the inhale and the exhale. And so that's the last. That's the, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna close us out there. I didn't get to share some of the other ideas of Celtic spirituality with you, but we can do that next week. Um, but I'd love us to, to think about that idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus with that rhythm of prayer and of mission, of engagement and withdrawal, of encountering God's face and taking his presence out to those around us. Because that is what we're called to in this city and in this land. And so I'd love to invite you to stand. We're going to res- respond. We're going to invite the, the band up. We're going to respond by taking communion today, as we always do. Um, I just want to say that our table is is the table of Jesus. It's not our table, and and it, because it's the Lord's table, it's the table of Jesus. It means that everyone who's faith in Jesus is welcome at that table. Uh, and so, if you if you have a, a faith in Jesus, or if you want to take that step of faith toward Jesus today you're welcome to come and break bread and drink wine and celebrate Christ with us and commune with us um, let's celebrate all that, that Christ is to us and let's bring um, bring all that God has been doing in us to the table as well let's bring that posture of, of prayer and the attitude of of wanting to be open to what God is doing let's bring that to the table as well I'm just going to pray for us before we before we do that Father thank you for your for your presence this morning thank you for what you're doing with us thank you that we're just getting started thank you that we don't have to do it all in one day in one morning this is a journey and I just invite your presence I invite your Holy Spirit to come and and to touch us to fill us to rest upon us now I pray that you would teach us how to be a community of the ancient a community of That is slowed down and that is attentive to your presence, that is a community that breathes in your presence and exhales it out into our world. Would you teach us in these days, would you teach us this year, how to follow you into that more? We pray. Uh, We bless our time together, we bless the bread and the wine, we celebrate Jesus. We pray, Lord, that there would be liberation and freedom by your spirit today, a freedom from any shame or guilt or anything that would hold people back from community or from breaking bread at this table. We pray it would be broken in Jesus' name. And we pray that everyone would feel welcome at this table, at your table, in Jesus' name. Please do come forward, break bread, bring friends, come quick. Time has beat us. So just come forward to the table, break bread, drink wine. Let's celebrate Christ together.